I hope you are all doing well. I want to announce a new segment on the podcast called Monday Mantras, where we take a moment to just breathe and hear something motivational to start off your week. It'll be a mix of advice from my friends and colleagues put together, and also tidbits that I think are important to remember on a weekly basis. This will be posted on the normal podcast sites like Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. In addition, I'll make them posts on my Instagram, which you can follow along to at hsweetchats for more updates to come. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. And we're starting in three, two, one. Hello, my friends. My name is Howard Tankara. I'm a junior at Barnard College studying economics and welcome to the Eight Sweet Chats. Guys, today we are back in New York City, back on Barnard's campus, and I'm so excited. I know the last time I've spoken, I was abroad, and now I'm here, but you really have no perception of where I am or how I am because this is definitely just audio, but um, trust me, I'm in a new setting, new place, and I have the wonderful Miss Chelsea Ajala. How you doing, Chelsea? Hello, Miss Hawa. Yes. I'm so excited to be here today. I've been begging you. For this episode, and I'm glad that we get to do this. I'm super glad that we get to go do it because we have a lot to talk about. So Chelsea is a friend of mine. She's a junior here at Barnard College studying psychology, and she's an Africana Studies minor. It's a nice combination. I can't wait to dig into why you chose to do that. Of but course, Chelsea, of course. I'm going to start it off a little bit differently than I usually do. And I want you to, because this is a, a feedback that I got from past guests, and this is a question I think I'm going to continue asking future guests, which is just, What's one common misconception people have of you when they first meet you, if you know what that is for yourself? I would say one common misconception is that, like, I'm unapproachable, which I think is weird. But, yeah, I got unapproachable a lot, especially in the first year. Uh, I guess because, like, my roommate was, like, more friendly and I was just, like, straight face all the time yeah but you guys are like polar opposites yeah we were like polar opposites and i guess like since you know if you're roommates with somebody they always compare you to each other they're always like oh how come you're not like this or whatever so um because my roommate was more like jolly and happy and stuff and i was just like quiet reserved and in my own head like people were like oh my gosh like she doesn't like me i'm just like well actually like but you don't even know me though right see people make the assumption that i have to like every single person that i meet but that's that's not necessarily true right you know i don't know you like you want me to just smile at you like i don't know you i mean that's just the brooklyn to me so i guess the brooklyn i think that's just a new york city thing someone told me because i'm like very tall and people are like, oh, my God, I thought you were, like, a monster or something. I've literally had someone tell me. No, I'm so serious. <laughs> she told me, I thought you were going to, like, kill me or something. I was like, that's that's a bit drastic. But I think she was on drugs or something. So, that's, <laughs> okay. so no, it's different. You know, it's different. But, like, I can see why people associate height and, like, if you don't smile as much. This is why I smile so much all the time because mm-hmm. I have to be, I have to look friendly all the time because mm-hmm. I'm just towering over people most of the time. <laughs> so yeah that that resonates with me okay that's a good one i like that question i'm gonna keep that mm-hmm. but i like that answer too all right so let's jump right into it my favorite question the question about reflection of course walk me through your college decision making process and why you chose barnard of all the schools that you could have possibly went to barnard was the choice why 
<sighs> All right. So, senior year, you know, we all apply to college or whatever. In my mind, I thought I was going to be a stripper. So, I, <laughs> you know, I just did not have my career figured out or anything. So, but you were, you actually thought you were going to be a stripper? Yeah, I, I thought I was going to be a stripper okay. for sure. Um, <laughs> I was just like, you know, the college thing is so scary that I, I'm just not even going to entertain it. And so my college counselors had to, like, keep, like, getting me to be interested because I just was not interested. I was just like, you know, stripping is my calling. <laughs> stripping, is, stripping is my calling. And, yeah, that's it. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do in my future, so here we are. But obviously that didn't work out. So, you know, because I guess I was an honor student or whatever. So you were brilliant, but you were a brilliant stripper at the same time. Yes, exactly. Could, why not? Exactly. So they gave me like a list of colleges that were in my ballpark. And Barnard was one of them. Uh, at first I was like, you know, I don't really, like, what is this Barnard school? Like, why does it keep showing up? And it's because in 11th grade... We went on a class trip here, which was, you know, it was interesting. It was nice, I guess. <laughs> we got to see the campus. We got to visit somebody's dorm. You know, it was nice, but I, at that point, I still wasn't interested. I was just like, I'm a junior, and I don't care. And so this school popped up again. But this is kind of where things kind of come full circle. So my dad came here as a refugee in 1995 because because in his home country Togo he was uh you know a, a huge political person so you know there's a really horrible dictatorship over there at the time people dying and everything and he you know was trying to get some democracy put in place over there however there were two assassination attempts on him oh my goodness <laughs> you said that so casually yeah you know, <laughs> he, yeah, you know, the, the government tried to kill him twice. Uh, Goodness And gracious. so the second time, you know, because he was so close to the American embassy, they're like, all right, buddy. So there's a school called Columbia University, and they have this human rights program. You need, to, for stars, you need to get out this country, because if you don't, you're going to die. And they have, you know, this human rights program that runs for like six months, and, you know, we think you should go there since you're, you know, a huge human rights advocate. And so, you know, he went. And, you know, he came here to Columbia for his six months. And he always told me the story about how he got lost on Barnard's campus. Uh, he was like, oh, this is all-girls school. And, you know, I, I was confused. And I didn't really know what this was and yada, yada. And oh, so he got lost in the all-women's all campus? Yeah. I, okay. Uh, <laughs> sure, that was not by accident. So he would always tell me this story growing up, and I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I don't really care. <laughs> like, it's like, okay. And he was like, you know, I really hope you go there one day. And I'm like, I mean, I, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm like 12. I don't really know. <laughs> you know, he would just always put that on me. And so when I saw Barnard fast-forwarding into high school, I'm just like, oh, it's that school that my dad was talking about. <laughs> how strange. How full um, circle. How full circle. And so... Now, fast-forwarding to senior year, you know, I applied um, because, you know, I wasn't really sure if my stripper dreams were going to come true. So I was like, all right, let me just uh, get back into corporate or whatever. So I applied to my schools. I think Barnard was my top choice. Uh, the school wanted me to do early decision, but I was like, nah, like, I'm, I'm too all over the place. Like, I can't yeah, fully commit myself yep. to this one school. 
So I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just going to do regular decision and call it a day. You know, I, I might not even get into the school, so we'll see. I don't know. Uh, since it's like the Ivy League, whatever. So, yeah, I was just, you know, I applied. And I wanted to see if I could actually get in or not. And so fast forwarding to the spring of 2017, I was waiting for this decision to come out. Uh, my college and career office, they were like, oh, you know, come down to the office to check to see if you got in. And so I was like, all right, cool. Around like 6 p, well, 6.14 p.m., I got the email from Barnard. I was like, oh, God, I, I don't know if I'm getting to this school, but we're going to see. <laughs> and, you know, my, my college counselor, she pulled out a whole, like, camera and, you know, everybody was just around me like waiting. a whole spectacle Yeah, a whole thing. spectacle. I'm like, oh, my gosh, please stop. Like, this is so weird. Um, my friend put me on Snapchat. I mean, it was just so weird. And no, they're proud. That's that's like pride. You know, right? I know, but you know, it was just I was like, this it was is extra. too much. Mm-hmm. Stop. <laughs> so stop, but keep going. Yeah, stop, but keep going. And so I opened up the letter thing, and it said, "Congrats." I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I got into this school. You know, I, I still have the video on my phone because I, I was looking crazy. But you're gonna have to show me. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, I won the lottery or something, yeah. you know. I mean, it was a happy day because, yeah. you know, I didn't really know uh, if I was going to get into the school or not. Uh, and even though I didn't really care at first, you know, once it came that time where we were about to graduate and have to start life soon, I was like, okay, like, this is serious. You know, I need to, you know, I, I need to take this stuff seriously. So I got in. I couldn't believe it. I got in through HEOP, you know, for those who don't know HEOP, you know, Higher Education Opportunities Program for low-income New York State residents that are high-achieving. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of my Barnard story. You know, it was a story of I'm not taking nothing seriously at all, and I'm just trying to live in the moment to, oh, wow, I really got into this school. Right. And, uh as soon as I got into the school, I was like, yeah, I mean, I'll go. <laughs> uh, you know, no. it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity and everything. Right. I did stall a little bit to <laughs> confirm my enrollment. Because, right. once again, it was just me feeling like I don't feel like committing to anything right now. Interesting. And so uh, my college and career office kind of ran down on me. They were like, Chelsea, you need, to, you need to, you know, confirm this now. Like, I was like, all right, all right, all right, calm down. Yeah. And they just kept running after me. I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah, but looking back at it, though, do you, like, what do you think drove that level of, I just don't want to take this step, I don't want to take this commitment? Like, can you think of any reason for why that was the case for you? Or was it just off the whim, like, I really just don't want to take this decision, I'd rather do something completely different? Um, I would say, like, I don't know, I feel like I was the same person, even when it came to choosing a high school, you know? Even when it came to choosing a high school, I was just like, you know, I'm going to be on Disney Channel, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to be on Disney Channel, I'm going to be an actress, and I'm going to move to L.A., so, like, I don't really feel like, you know, choosing a school right now. But it's also, like, a level of, like, fear, like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm moving forward in life. Right. Uh, Yeah, I'm moving forward in life, and I have to make 
these big decisions. Right. Even though choosing a high school is not really like a huge decision. It's a, but yeah, I mean, it's a decision at that age. You got to think about relatively yeah, speaking. Like, like at that age, it is a huge decision, relatively speaking. Yeah, like 14-year-old me choosing what high school I'm going to. Like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know myself yet. Right. So that's why I was like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to be on Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't work out. <laughs> oh, really? Because my African parents said absolutely not. So Damn, those African parents, man crushing dreams the arts it's not what they do so no it's not what they know you know i just had to sign up for you know my high school and just keep moving forward and so with the whole stripper thing i was like you know it seems like strippers are doing well in um this economy so <laughs> i'm looking at her like, all right did your african parents agree to that one eh? you told them i want to be a stripper I did not tell them okay. that plan. I wasn't going to. I was just going to secretly move out and just live my life on the low. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I couldn't tell them about that plan. I think that would have been worse than Disney Channel, honestly. So uh, I, I can see I, why. Yeah, I didn't want to get disowned. <laughs> so no, I'm like, let me keep the stripper plans to myself until it's, like, really, Necessary. like, in action. Right. So I'll mm-hmm. see whatever you want to see. Mm-hmm. As a friend, that's what I see, mm-hmm. what you want to see. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm glad you came here because we met. I know, it's fate. I know, it was fate. No, I think that entire story was weirdly enough faded, but like almost pre-designed. It was like your dad seeked refuge here, mm-hmm. and now you go to the school that, you know, it's like a full circle in a weird way, but mm-hmm. coming onto campus then, I know because we did our summer, so we were in the, we were in the HIA program, so we do five weeks prior to when our uh, first year starts, we have academic intensive classes to kind of adjust so that we can adjust to college level work how was that transition into the college because it was technically supposed to be a good transition into college did you feel that way when you first started doing it no (laughs) i no i really hated the summer for starters you know it's my first time actually like leaving the house and living somewhere different so i was just trying to get used to what a morningside heights is you know i've i've been in brooklyn for a very long time so coming up here was like uh like what is this like this is so posh like i cannot and then the workload was just very extreme it was unnecessarily extreme unnecessarily extreme like i mean you cannot expect me to jump from high school to summer basically and summer is when i'm supposed to be like vacationing so it was just the worst transition ever yeah the workload was just crazy everything was just crazy I mean, staying up at, like, 2 a.m. I mean, that was the first time I ever did that in my life. In high school, you know, I was just at most 12 a.m., and I thought 12 a.m. was crazy. Is this what college is like? Because I don't like it. And the, <laughs> the stripper thing seems like it's way better right now. <laughs> like that alternative right there, yeah. Um, and given that I came from a New York City public high school that, you know, had some funding but not as much as, like, these private schools and charter schools, the, some of the, the things that they expected from us were just very unrealistic. I mean, you know, I go from being a honor student in a school that I would say was, like, relatively easy to now being here with, you know, a bunch of people that are also pretty intelligent, and the workload is just crazy. Hmm. And I, I just had a really hard time with that. Plus... Uh, I didn't really speak to anybody until like the last three weeks. Of yeah, the program. I feel like that's when I really like, got to see you. You weren't even a, you weren't around much either. Like I was around, but I wasn't around. Okay. So I just went from class to my room, class to was. my room, that's what it was. Okay. class to my room. If I came outside of my room, it was to eat. 
<laughs> and, and that, that was, was it. it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just didn't really know how to, like, introduce myself to people. I was just like, oh, like, this is so weird. Like, I haven't had to do this in a long time. So, you know, I saw how happy everybody was. Everybody was all jolly and whatnot. And I was just like, oh, like, <laughs> like I just can't. I cannot do this. Like, hey. who are these people? Yeah. But... I kind of regret it now because, like, in the last three weeks of the program, I got to know so many people. I'm like, oh, you guys are actually pretty nice. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, look cool. We all want you. Like, you know, like, yeah. wow. Like, this no, is really. I think as we all look at that summer as in a love-hate relationship. Hate because the workload was ridiculous. Love because it formed some of the strongest bonds that we have to date. At least for me personally, I can say that I have some of the strongest bonds coming from that summer program of people that I can... Even if I don't talk to y'all all the time, I know y'all are there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the cushion that I keep talking about in terms of when you come into your first year. It's nice to have that group of people that you feel comfortable returning to. Mm-hmm. Venture out, do your thing. But that home base. Right. And, you know, I, I definitely don't regret the program because, like you said, we have this wonderful group of friends that even though we don't get to see each other all the time... Uh, when we do see each other, it's like we just saw each other yesterday. Right. So I, I really do value the program for the friendships that I've established and the nice people that I've met. But besides that, I hate it. <laughs> Other than that, it was a, it was a dub, yeah, basically. it was a dub. All right. For sure. And then we walked right into campus mm-hmm. right after that summer. Come on, that summer program was just us and, like, some Oxford kids from, like, God knows where. And then the <laughs> Columbia HEOP students. Yeah. yeah, those kids, they never cleaned up that for themselves. Nope. I don't know who taught them, but they ain't teach them nothing. Nope. But, yes, that was a, anyway, that was a weird summer program. But, yeah, we, we were just, it was just us on campus. And then September comes around and everyone's here. Mm-hmm. What were your initial thoughts, feelings? My initial thoughts? Wow, it's mad white people on this campus. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. It was crazy. Like, I just, I had never been around that many white people in my life. Like, I've been around white people, you know, a few here and there, but not a lot of them at the same time. Right. It's different. Like, I was just. It tells you a lot about how New York City's broken up, though. Like, yes. in terms of socioeconomic and racial divisions. Yeah. Because we live in a city where there's all types of people, but mm-hmm. you don't see all types of people all the time. Yes. And that's the thing that a lot of non-New Yorkers don't know, is that New York City is probably one of the most racially segregated and economically segregated cities in America. Uh, how do you guys say? Well, how was from the Bronx. So, Hawa. What, what what are the demographics up there? All right. So I'm from the, the thing about you can't just say I'm from the Bronx. I'm from the South oh, Bronx. South Bronx. Because that, that. within mm-hmm. itself is also demographic shift. So mm-hmm. the South Bronx is where a lot of uh, Latinx, Hispanic, Black, or Caribbean, or African, like from the continent, like what mostly West African, sometimes East African, depending on where you are, concentrated. That's where we're concentrated. That's where my, com- my community, my Gambian community is all mm-hmm. in the South Bronx region. But as you move up, you go to like Westchester, Parkchester, and it's like very Pakistanian, mm. give or take, more on the Southeast Asian side of things. And then in that intermediate, because of Fordham, Fordham College, Fordham University, whatever, sorry, Fordham University, there's like this weird intermediate of like white. And if you go to like the more suburb, like I don't know how you can have a suburban area looking place in the Bronx, but they exist, <laughs> I promise you. And that's where also higher socioeconomic individuals live. So it's the Bronx is weirdly like... A mix of that. But yes, you're right. It's separated by income, mm-hmm. by socioeconomic background, by race a lot of the time. 
Yeah. And that's just, and that's the Bronx alone. Imagine the entirety of the New York City area right. and then the entirety of New York State. Right. And then the U.S. Right. And um, from my perspective, I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn. <laughs> I love East to, New York, Brooklyn. <laughs> yes. Contrary to popular belief by right. some. Um, Our friends. And uh, my area is so strange because I literally grew up in an area that was like, I would say down the line segregated. East New York is known as the hood to a lot of people. And on the East New York side of Linden Boulevard, uh, it's mostly Latinx, so Dominican, Puerto Rican, well, mostly Dominican, Puerto Rican, West Indian, you know, black people, West Indians, a little bit of West Africans, not as much because they all went to the Bronx. Like I said, yeah, that's what we <laughs> All of them. You know, even my people, the Togolese people, they yeah, do not West Africa. be out there in Brooklyn. So, so most of them are in the South Bronx, but there's just a little population of West African people, more, specific, more specifically Nigerian and Ghanaians. We also have West Indian people from Jamaica, Trinidad, and so on and so forth. There is a growing population of Bengali people now. Uh, Same. Yeah, they Same. are, you know, definitely like moving into the neighborhood more. But given that my area of East New York is near Ozone Park, which is, you know, like a large population of Bengali people and so on and so forth, I'm not really shocked, but I've noticed that, you know, they've been coming over the border <laughs> a little bit. But then, you know, I say my location's weird because on the other side of Linden Boulevard, which is the closest to me and the easiest to get to is Howard Beach, Queens. A lot of people, when they hear Howard Beach, if you're familiar with New York City, you kind of get chills a little bit because of the two racial incidents that have happened. The first one in 1986, the second one in 2005. And, you know, for those of you that don't know, Howard Beach is a predominantly white neighborhood, like 90% white, predominantly Italian, upper middle class big houses, Mercedes Benzes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, like very suburban. Okay. Very the, yeah, just, monolithic. Just, just what it is, right. And uh, so I say I live in a place that's like example of segregation that you can give because on one side you're in Howard Beach that has great schools, that has uh, stores that you don't see in East New York and, you know, not as much racial diversity, but on East New York, the, on the East New York side, so many different cultures, so many different people, you know, yes, it's a low-income neighborhood, but there's a lot of great people there and um, a lot of culture, but it's less served um, compared to Howard Beach. The schools aren't that great. You know, we're lacking a lot of resources. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize that New York City is very racially segregated. You know, you just know once you say a neighborhood name, oh, that's the black people neighborhood. Right. Oh, that's and the white people the neighborhood. Fact that we, exactly. You know, like if you say Brownsville people, oh, yep, you know. Yeah, <laughs> different. Yep, black people. But if you say, uh, I don't Park know. Park Slope. Like Park Slope, Bensonhurst. Uh, I don't even know. Windsor Terrace, Cobble Hill. Lower East Side. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's where the white people are at. Uh, and so, had to mix though, but yeah, relatively speaking, Soho, yeah, Soho, yeah. So those areas, um, and everybody just knows like Howard Beach is just a Italian neighborhood, very Italian, very white. <laughs> Wait, for those who don't know what happened, you, you give two different dates. You said this is what happened to like 
I think black people during mm-hmm. those times. Can yeah. you give like a quick, quick summary? Yeah. So I don't um, know. the first incident that happened was that uh, this black teen was chased onto the Belt Parkway by a group of white Italian teens because they thought that, uh, you know, the black guy was dating one of the girls in their community and um, he got hit by a car trying to escape them and they were like chasing him with like bats and everything. And so, you know, in 1986, that caused a lot of racial divisions within Brooklyn, within New York City in general, because, you know, everybody at that point had known like, okay, black people, this is the no-go zone. You don't go to Howard Beach. Uh, Cause they kind of felt the microaggressions. They felt like the tensions, but this one like really brought it out. And with a lot of the, a lot of the riots and I mean, it was, it was crazy. I, I watched a lot of videos about it and I can't even believe like that's what happened, but you also had people in the street many of the Italian population calling the black rioters the N-word and, you know, all these racial slurs and stuff. So it was really messy. And then the other situation, 2005, was similar as well. You know, black teen being chased by uh, a group of white Italian residents. And he also got hit by a car trying to uh, escape them. And... uh, it was, you know, it, there wasn't as much rioting, but it, it still caused a lot of controversy because it showed, like, wow, like, the difference between 1986 and 2005. Like, we thought things would change, but, you know, you still have that anti-black sentiment uh, within the Howard Beach community. As of now, you know, I don't really sense anything. Right. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's getting two percent more diverse okay (laughs) very slowly but um you know once i'm on the other side i mean we all share the same stores and everything we have to interact with each other eventually so i think the new stores that they're bringing to the community you know it's helped to get all of us together but you know we still have a long way to go we still have a long way to go yeah down in east new york Mm-hmm. All this craziness is happening. Yep. I don't even think I knew that. So thank you for sharing that information and tidbit with us. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but that was a little, we went on a little bit of a tangent. Mm-hmm. But no, but I, I like tangents. That's literally, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. It's no straight path. Yes. It's a roller coaster ride up in this podcast out here. But no, <laughs> let me stop playing games. We're on campus, right? Mm-hmm. And... You know what? We're in New York City. Our campus is literally in the city that we're talking about that has the socioeconomic um, segregation lines, that has this racial segregation lines, and cultural and all these different other contexts and things like that. We're in Morningside Heights. Morningside Heights is in Harlem. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I know we have our own takes on that, but how has it been? Because you, you live on campus as well, so you're here most of the time, and you don't go back home on the weekends, right? Like, you're kind of here... Most of the time, mm, you know, I, sometimes I go back home, but sometimes you go back yeah. home. And so what have you seen living in this space? I mean, remember we had the initial shock when you first came like first year, but now that you've done almost three years now living mm-hmm. in this space, communicating with people who are in this space, going to stores in this space. What's been that dichotomy for you compared to where you what you know of, which is East New York mm-hmm. to here? Uh I noticed that the prices are different. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's the first one. That's the first one. The, the prices in the stores are different. What else can I say? Racial differences. You know, Morningside Heights 
you know, it's predominantly white, but it's also a little bit mixed because this is kind of like a college town per se. Yeah, whatever that means. Uh, yeah. City area, I don't know. <laughs> whatever that means. So you don't really know like who actually lives in the neighborhood compared to who's just here on campus. So it, it's kind of diverse, but you know, kind of not same time. What else can I say? I mean, there's just so many differences. There's a lot of families here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of people like with their strollers and which is fine. In the, in the like park New and, York. and you know, in the nice parks and whatnot. Uh, and whatnot strolling you know you know just strolling through people a lot of dogs i've noticed that there's a lot of dogs here like i feel like they should have their own check box like their own box on the census <laughs> for dogs because <laughs> yeah there's true, a though. lot of them there's true i mean a lot of them are like uh what, is it, what do people call them the service dogs mm-hmm. which is fair yeah so, yeah like, okay they have so a whole community. like community here like it's they crazy do. they do you know it's a lot of dogs all dogs we, mm-hmm. we respect dogs They're, i respect them as a creation mm-hmm. i'm not a fond of dogs right but I, respect, <laughs> I, respect, I respect them as a creation so i was recently talking to someone who just came back from studying abroad and they were telling me how when they left the campus they felt that they were like leaving behind some kind of chains that chained them down to this campus because i feel like well they felt that being here almost was like being siloed off from everyone else everyone is in their own thing and even if you try to communicate with someone, then is there's no level of openness to it. Do you feel that when you're on this campus, this lack of people being willing to open up to you or talk to you? And if so, why? And if not, why? Hmm. I mean, I think it goes back to like the preconceived notions. Uh, I find that there is a lot of people that I don't know, they're not really inclined to branch out and meet other people. Um, sometimes I, I think it's because of my race, honestly. Really? Uh, and, and I have to be, I have to be honest, uh, you know, this is a thing that I've dealt with since freshman year. I'm now a junior. I, I, I find that, I don't know, I, I feel like this campus is like, eh, kind of segregated, but not really, but kind of. Like, if we're in class and we have to talk to each other, then, yeah, like, we're, we're going to talk to each other. But in terms of I want to be your friend, I want to hang out with you, uh, I want to, you know, go and eat dinner together and stuff, you don't really see that much. Like, you don't really see the racial lines crossing that much. Like, you'll see it here and there, but, you know, I do notice that, like, for example, us HEOP girls, we tend to stick together because we just feel like we understand each other more. We have that New York City... Uh, bond the tie. New York City bond yeah. bond tie uh, like we just get each other and it, with people I guess that are outside of that HEOP circle you know there's this I guess there's certain things that you know they won't really understand or maybe they just don't want to understand you know a lot of people do come to New York City and they and in their mind, they just think it's just Times Square and Empire State Building right. and Statue of Liberty, yay. Right. But they don't really understand that people that live outside of Manhattan, you know, we have our own stories, we have our own experiences, and, you know, we're going through things. And a lot of people, they just don't want to hear it. They just don't care. Uh, and so I feel like, for me personally, I've had a hard time trying to expand outside of the HEOP circle because, you know, I have a story and 
you know, some people might be offended. <laughs> some people might be offended. They might be like, oh my gosh, like, why are you trying to make everything so racial? And it's like, well, because it is. <laughs> like, yeah. And you stepped here. I didn't go to your city. I didn't <laughs> like, go to your city, your state, or your country. You know, like, yeah. welcome to New York and welcome to all of this mess. Like, there is so much that goes on here. And a lot of people that come here and visit here, you know, they just don't want to learn about it. They don't want to learn about things like gentrification and how messed up the MTA is and, you know, this, the, the public schools being underfunded. They just don't care. So, you know, I feel like, you know, we're very divided, you know, racially, economically. You know, a lot of people are inclined to, you know, hang out with people that have similar economic backgrounds to them all the middle class people are together all the broke people like us are together <laughs> uh, all the rich people are together y- you know you have all of these divides and a lot of people just don't want to learn about each other they don't want to learn about what's different from them right and i think it's sad it's interesting because you know there's a dream there's there's a new york has its name there's a title city that never sleeps that's what we're constantly selling ourselves as that's what we label ourselves as you know alicia keys jay-z talked about concrete jungles where dreams are made of and i'm like we're living nightmares out here so i don't know about all these dreams and things but you're speaking to something that's very interesting and something that i found as well like you go to a space assume like with the mindset of i just want to see the things that they sold me on the brochure I don't want to hear the mess. I don't want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly. I just want to see the good and leave it as it is. And people who say they come visit New York, they, they tend to just stick to, like you said, Times Square. Maybe they'll visit Soho. Maybe, you know, like the little, like the shopping parts, the nice, oh, like, oh my God, the, the World Trade Center, I got to go there. You know, like those places. They don't go to the other boroughs. They don't talk to people who live in the city who aren't in those areas how are you supposed to know or understand the entirety of the story if you're just handpicking what you want to know or you're selecting what you don't want to know mm-hmm. yeah um a lot of people don't realize that new york is new york because of the outer boroughs like the the culture the food the differences i mean all of that comes from like the outer boroughs and a lot of people that visit this school or attend this school that are not from here they I don't know. They just don't want to go to the outer boroughs. They just have this perception that they, like, you know, you shouldn't go there. Just stick to Soho and and, and Lower Manhattan, and, and that's it. Or if you're gonna go to Brooklyn, go to Williamsburg, <laughs> no. the most gentrified area of Brooklyn. Right. Uh, they will not go anywhere else besides a Williamsburg, uh, Soho, Lower Manhattan, Midtown. Like they're just not interested in really seeing you know, the grit and grind of New York City and what makes this city so, I guess, diverse and, function. and functional, you know, you yeah. want to see all those things, you got to go to the South Bronx, you got to go to Brooklyn, you got to go to Queens, and uh, you have to go to these parts of the city because this is where the real New York is. Yeah, but, this is the thing, though. They have this, I mean, what do you say to people who have the concern of safety? Cause I feel like that's the main reason for why they don't want to go to areas like the South Bronx or go to East Flatbush or go to these different, you know, <laughs> like safety concerns. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm alive, right? <laughs> you know, I would just be like, you know, I'm alive. So uh, I feel like the the safety concerns are hyped up because these parts of the city are predominantly black and brown. So... These parts of the city that are black and brown, you know, these are the the no-go zones, once again. 
And, uh, you know, I just, I mean, listen, every city has crime. Every city has crime. You can't really let that stop you from going to other parts of the city and trying to taste the food and, you know, see, like, how people interact with each other on a regular basis. Like, and, and Manhattan itself is not even that safe either. I mean, I checked the crime map. A lot of the crime in Manhattan comes from Midtown. <laughs> That's the tourist destination. Wow. So well, that makes sense. You know, like tourists, you know, yeah. tourism equals stealing equals robbery. Yeah, because tourists, this, that, whatever. New Yorkers and tourists, though, we do not mesh. No, we do not. We really don't. So uh, it doesn't really matter what part of the city you go to. It's a city. You know, it's the same. Like the safety concerns are the same all over. It's just that it's more hyped up with the outer boroughs because you know these are the quote-unquote impoverished parts. You know, these are the parts that you don't want to go to. They're and, not the glamorized ones. They're yeah. not the brochure items. Exactly. On the list of these New are York not City. the things that you mm-hmm. check off on your New York to-do list. Right. Uh, I remember I was, like, reading something online about, I guess, like, East New York. I don't know. I'd just be bored on my laptop <laughs> sometimes. No, knowledge is power, sis. Go, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. It was, like, Travelocity or something. And they were like, oh, like, any reviews on East New York, whatever? And they were like, oh, like, that's a place that you don't want to go to. Oh, you know, if you take the B-15 from JFK, you know, you only go there just to drive through. That's it. Don't stop there. Like, and just all of these really uh, racist sentiments, you know, like, oh. Microaggressions, too. (laughs) Or macroaggression. Can we consider, can we say that's microaggression? Yeah, I mean, you know, clutch on to your purse because if you step out the bus, you might get robbed. And I'm just like, I don't want your purse. <laughs> I don't want your purse. Like, what do you mean? Oh, that's a place that you don't want to go to. Like, you know, like you have all of those racist sentiments. And they're painting y'all. They're painting us in a certain way, and not even taking the time to get to even know who we mm-hmm. are as human beings to human beings, as opposed to human beings to a neighborhood that's assumed to be off the grid or just right. a no-go zone. I like that no-go zone. Right. Interesting. Yeah, and, and I feel like the South Bronx gets it the worst, even from yeah. our own people in yeah, New York. Do. Because <laughs> though, the history, though, like 1990s, though, like they're not. Wrong. I mean, it was crazy. It was rambunctious. We look into the Bronx history, but. That doesn't mean things aren't changing. That doesn't mean that these are everyday other human beings living there who are equally as human as you are and don't deserve the title of being labeled no-go zones. You know? Why am I a no-go zone? It's like almost, it's very, it's almost personal at that point. Right. I mean, you know, I make fun of the Bronx all the time. But it's all out of love because... It's relatable. It's relatable, and, you know, we all understand each other. All of our neighborhoods are very similar to each other if you live in, like, those parts of the borough. And uh, I feel like a lot of people just don't give the Bronx a chance. Especially people on this campus. Especially people on this campus. this campus is, I've talked to people who are seniors. Like, I remember my freshman year, I talked to someone, she was like, I have never went down to Harlem (laughs) in my entire (laughs) time here. I just went downtown. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny because if you think about the, the weirdness because technically down the hill is uptown but you know how mm-hmm. Columbia is set up in an interesting spot but they never went to 125th never even walked the Harlem line I'll, and also got Morningside Heights plopped itself down in Harlem let's be real right but I, I, I found that mind boggling I was like you've been here four years and you haven't gone down the hill it's a walk honey it's, in, it's 10 minutes away what do you mean you haven't gone down and obviously there was more to what she was trying to say that she didn't want to say. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the times, a lot of interactions that we have with people on this campus tend to be on that line where it's like, 
you know what they're saying. They know what you're. They know what they're saying. They just don't want to say it. Mm-hmm. But we all know what's going on. Right. And that leads to this person feeling like they're better or more entitled to a space than you are, or that they they're more entitled because they know more about. Oh, I shouldn't be going there. That's not for me. I'm too much for that. And that's like le- banking on that entitlement. I don't know. If le- I don't know. I don't. There's like words that I'm just spewing out right now, but it's all in my head. So what are some thoughts around just that sentiment alone? Can I just say for the record? If you are one of those people, that is a sickness. <laughs> and we're going to call a thing a thing. That is a sickness. Because I know what you're trying to say. I've never been down to 125th. Yeah, it, it means you feel uncomfortable being on 125th because we, we all know why. Okay? Why wouldn't you go to 125th? All I do is go to 125th. Yeah. I don't be downtown like that. If I go downtown, I'm going to downtown Brooklyn. But I'm not. <laughs> Am I going downtown? You know, downtown, like, going down, downtown. Like what? Like 125th yeah. is awesome. Like the stores are great. Malcolm I get X my Boulevard, hair products. African Square. Yeah. yeah. You know, like as an African person, I just felt so included here because my area of the city there's not a lot of african people there there's some but there's not a lot and so when i came up here like i felt like wow like this kind of feels like home a little bit like you know 116th and frederick Douglass smells like rice like this is great <laughs> like <laughs> you, you know like it, it felt like home but you have a lot of people on this campus that are just like so hesitant to go down there and i'm like this is the real harlem like you want to really see what this city is about like you got to go to 125th the apollo theater you got all the 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 beauty salons you got the bird king and and like the stores the <laughs> no plug right there don't go to <laughs> you know you got you all the stores. <laughs> yeah like you got all the stores i mean why wouldn't you go down there but we all know what they're thinking we all yeah, like this is so racially that, motivated. It's yeah. just disgusting, and it's very elitist to to say it. Like, how could you be? How could you claim that you live near Harlem, but you don't go to Harlem? How could you even claim you live in the city if all you know of the city is Columbia, Morningside Heights, and Times Square? Boo boo, stop. Like honestly, like that's stop. not the real New York. That's the New York that caters to outsiders. But if you want to talk about the real New York. You know, listen, unfortunately, Harlem is being gentrified right now. But whatever is left, we should take advantage of it. And for you guys to come here and just fully disregard anything that's on 125th and above, it's just very sad. It's very sad. And you're not really living the New York experience if you don't go to these parts of the city. Because like I said before, these are the parts of the city that make the city what it is. Very hardworking people live in these parts. A lot of entrepreneurs, actually. Yes. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of hardworking people, a lot of people that want to get their kids out of their situation. They want to see their kids flourish and, flourish do, better. and do better than them. And yeah, A story we can all relate to. You know, the, the sentiment is just really disgusting to me because... You, I don't you think know. they realize what they're saying sometimes. Yeah. And it's not until we sit down and think and be like, yo, did she just say that? Like, did, did those words come out her mouth? And that's when I'm like, I really thought I was like, okay, that happened, you know? It's just sad. It's different. But it is what it is. And it's the, it's our current predicament. I don't know predicament. Like, it's just, like, it's not going to stop me from doing the work I need to do. It's not going to stop me from striving and doing my best. It's just the little remarks. It makes you sit down and think like, hmm, we got people like that out here. Right. Oh, the elitism. The Isn't elitism. This college. I mean, is it? do you think that's just virtue by virtue of what an Ivy League is? Because literally Ivy Leagues are considered the quote-unquote elite of the elites 
I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at the statistics, a lot of the people that get accepted to these schools come from private schools, upper middle class, backgrounds, you know, the school is the schools are predominantly white, like uh so I'm not surprised at this elitist behavior because these are the people that they accept into the school. We just so happen to get in because you know, not only because of our hard work, but, uh, well, actually, yeah, because of hard work. That's yeah, it. Yeah, the hustle, <laughs> you know? the hustle to grind, the grit, we, yeah. We, we, we hustled to get here. It, it was just that, you know, we're so fortunate to have a program like HEOP that helps us to afford this place as well because I promise you, <laughs> if it wasn't for HEOP, I would not be here. Right. I would be at either Somewhere else. City College, Brooklyn College, Baruch, Baruch you know, yeah, the, 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 Baruch, the, the public colleges around the city because I could afford those. You know, without programs like HEOP or BOP which is uh, the yeah BOP outside of uh, state one you know programs like that giving us the chance to be on this campus and and thrive as well because you know we do deserve it you know a lot of us wouldn't be here so there's an appreciation for it there you know, is that an summertime when we hate the classwork it's like all right we hate that but overall it's a net positive if I do say so myself with my economic terminology right there <laughs> and then net positive yeah no, I think it's a good full circle moment and a good way to like leeway into thinking more about, I guess, flip side. Let's pause it. Let's make it a positive note. What are some things that from now your tenure here that you've seen, that you've worked on, that you've been, you just was in that moment and you were like, wow, thank God I'm here. Those aha uh-huh moments, as people like to say, the aha. Uh-huh. I don't know about aha. Uh-huh. I don't be going aha, uh-huh, but you know, <laughs> people do it. I just like to think that they're just moments that I'm really trying to take in. But have you had some of those moments in your uh, tenure here? Hmm. I mean, yeah, I've had some moments like going to ASA, the African Student Association, and, you know, feeling kind of welcome. I mean, you know, I also have sentiments about that, but that'll be in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, going to events such as ASA, also going to the MSA events, Muslim Student Association events, even though I am not Muslim, I'm still welcome hey, all is welcome and um all are welcome you know i've met some really nice people there and uh you know i've just felt very welcomed into the space and i've enjoyed many of the events that msa has hosted also like my first year i was on like the african dance team and so like th- these were like the little uh, activities that i did that made me feel comfortable with barnard i would also say like my job at the library is it's pretty cool. I get to meet new people every day that come up to the desk, which is a positive and a negative, but... <laughs> uh, uh, mm, but yeah. But, the positive with who we work with. I think yeah. the negative whenever those people come up and they act like they own a the place. Because mm-hmm. I also work at the library, and we've seen some Some people. very interesting people there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the people that we all work with, I mean, the library is very diverse, very accepting. Everybody just gets each other and understands each other and they're like intelligent without being entitled to their intelligence if that makes any sense exactly and you know we constantly call out things that don't look that great on campus or, or don't sit well within with the system and you know we can always speak to everyone at the library because they just get it and they understand where we're coming from and they understand our perspective on these things so Definitely working at the library has been a highlight because I get to have these conversations all the time with my supervisors and the other student associates yeah. at the desk. So, Yeah, and it's, and it's been a highlight. I can definitely say working at the library has been 
one of the most eye-opening parts of being on this campus. Because they really, you get to interact with people you, you never in two million years would have thought you'd interact with just by virtue of working there. So I thought that was, I think that's the most interesting part. Mm-hmm. And that's good. See, look at that. Some po- we have some positives, right, guys? Yes, we have we some have positives. We have positives to say. Like I said, it's all about, you can say Kumbaya, college is great. And it is. It has its moments. It has its purposes. You can, but at the same time, you can still be critical of the situation that you're in or the people that you meet, how people perceive things. And I'm glad that we had that New York City talk because it's different from coming from a New Yorker. It's like mm-hmm. a nice welcoming home too. I'm like, I'm back in the city. Here we go. Let's talk about all the issues that we have within the city. Yes. That's so crazy. No, but that's so cool. I like to round it out with my quick fact segment. I, th- I wanted to do this in the beginning, but we got caught up. But let's do the segment now. It's like, I don't know what to call the segment, but it's like fun facts about college, I guess, and just your opinions on it. Um, so this is complete. I'm going to try to make it relate to what we've been doing, what we've been talking about. Segment time. I'm going to give you a common misconception. And you're going to tell me whether or not this is true to you or what you have seen and in your opinion. Nothing is a wrong answer in this because it's all depending on what you think. So for college students, this is the misconception that college students, you know, we have parents that help us with our costs. And we as college students have money for clothes, for beer, for travel. And that's just, you know, the average college student. That's the misconception. I would like to disagree. (laughs) Um, Me being one of those students that doesn't get a lot of financial support, I, I just have to disagree with that. If I didn't have a job, I don't know if I would have a lot of things, honestly. You know, I am a low income, a low income first generation student. So, you know, my parents are not throwing money at me and saying, oh, go buy this, buy that, rain, you know, travel, this, that, whatever. You know, I work a lot of hours at the library to be able to like afford you know, basic necessities, mm-hmm. as do a lot of first generation low income students on this campus. So. Yeah, I, I don't even know who would say that. That's just weird. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I mean, it was just a common misconception. I googled yeah. that, man, and it popped up, and I was like, that's interesting. Because then the, the flip side was that, and to your point, 58% of students work while they're in college. And this was a study that came out in 2018. And about 55% of those two-day students are financially independent from their parents. So that misconception, we're going to say, is debunked. Yeah, and then then another statistic like 42% of those independent college students you know the 55% of students who are like independent live below or at the federal poverty line so that's a lot of numbers let me repeat that 58% of students work while they're in college of those students 55% of them are financially independent from their parents I'm assuming and then of that number, 42% of those independent college students who don't have their parents helping them out at all live at or below the federal poverty line. Uh, I mean, I agree. Uh, if you live in the hood, if you come from the hood, and you at an institution like this, I mean, you don't really get a lot of financial support from family members and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of us the first one. Mm-hmm. do live either at or below the poverty line so yeah i mean yeah. I, I agree but we still live in new york <laughs> yeah that place <laughs> yeah we're all living out here nightmares and shit but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like nightmares and, and raccoons and raccoons. yo the first time we saw a raccoon was in the bronx i thought my brother was crazy 
We saw a raccoon. He said he saw a raccoon outside his window. I was like, you're going insane. But apparently there's a bunch of raccoons in the Bronx that I didn't know about. Uh, The same thing with Brooklyn. Actually, the first time I actually saw a raccoon raccoon was that video that came out a few years ago of uh, the dude at the Chinese food store uh, beating that raccoon with the broom to get oh it out the god. store because the raccoon was like really holding on to like the the door so hard and I'm just like oh my god this is so Bronx I cannot but uh, I think that they took the train down to Brooklyn because now they're showing up and showing out I don't know if it's because my area is like near the suburbs of Queens so that's why I'm seeing them but probably I know that uh, in senior year there was a daily occurrence of raccoons that showed up <laughs> and right. i was just sad so yeah so the census got to pick up on those raccoons too yeah the same thing they're pick definitely up for the dogs a part of the population. we got the raccoons in the east new york and the south bronx so mm-hmm. census you got to get they on gotta, that they gotta go they gotta go but get on it yeah you need to account for those statistics you know how it is exactly <laughs> <laughs> all righty sis to wrap it up i think i would love to ask you because we are upperclassmen and we have to leave a little tidbits of knowledge here and there for students who are up and coming either coming into college world, in the college world currently, and just need a tidbit. What's some advice you would like to give to those students who are maybe even in your similar position? Or if not, there's some, just if you're just a student, period. What's some things that you have learned in your tenure here that you feel is important for other people to know? I feel like, I think I've learned a few things. So one of the things that I learned is that, uh, I would say like elite institutions like Barnard and Columbia, I don't think that, you know, they were ready to accept kids from the outer boroughs that went to public high schools. But that has not limited any of us. No, nope, it hasn't. Chasing our dreams and doing what we have to do. I mean, it's been a challenge uh, academically trying to catch up to people that, you know, went to more funded schools but I would say that it's all about being persistent and being hardworking. and I mean listen this country is just built off of systemic racism so we have to try our best to break through and change that system so I feel like with more of us coming into these institutions we will be able to do that so I encourage that more of us reach that goal and uh, try to change the system yeah and that more of us especially new york city kids who aren't who are in public schools and your counselors are encouraging you to apply to cunies and things like that do that that's not a problem but don't let them discourage you from applying to privates either because yeah. i've heard that so many times mm-hmm. oh you know i can't you know they told me not to do that they said it's easier to do this this and this it's not about what they think is easier or not it's about what you need to do to get to where you need to go and nothing should be stopping you, especially not no counselor, no teacher who's telling you that all you need to do is apply to the state schools. Nothing's wrong with just applying to state schools, state schools because of the affordability and just access. But don't let yourself be barred from applying to these prestigious, quote unquote, quote, universities, these elites, all they want, you know, all the names that they give us that doesn't really apply because I ain't see nothing different from nobody else. Everybody shit the same. Mm-hmm. You cut me, you cut them, we bleed. I, I don't know. It's just a matter of title and stamp of approval. And don't let no one stop you from that. So that's just me piggybacking off of what you just said. Mm-hmm. But sis, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. 
You are welcome. Yes. Thank you for having me, finally. <laughs> I know. No, yeah, she's really been... I'm, I'm glad that like, you've been wanting to come on. That always makes me feel good. Because it's like, yay, people want to come on to my podcast. Yay. Now we got to have a part two. No, we definitely should have a part two. And we'll like dig deep into like other topics and things along the lines of that. That aren't... That are like related to God knows whatever the heck we want to talk about. Yes. Cause... Like, comment down below. I mean, like this video. Like this video. What is this? A fucking podcast? <laughs> Subscribe. <laughs> If you're on Spotify or Apple, subscribe to the podcast and in your notes or in your reviews, let me know what you think and let me know if you want a part two of this episode because I think Chelsea is an amazing person to pick at in terms of like what you're thinking and ideas and things along the lines of that. That'd be an amazing episode. But if people wanted to reach out to you beforehand, how could they? Maybe give your Instagram handle, your email address, whatever you are comfortable with. So I have a couple of social media platforms on Instagram. My handle is csra.xo which is my name acronym uh so you guys can reach out to me there um on twitter <laughs> i have such a weird name but it's chelizy <laughs> so c-h-e-l-s-e-e-z-y um that's where all of the controversial stuff comes up snapchat is you want people to get you on snapchat too Shoot, be ha- pick, pick and choose your your socials. Don't be giving them. Okay, just just those two then. Then DM her on Instagram. Follow her Twitter if you want to know where her ideas are and you want to yeah. challenge, talk about, discuss, have some tea over them. Yeah, because I'm her. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. I'll just I'll, I'll put all the notes and what her handles are on my Instagram page at Eight Sweet Chats. You can follow me there, where you'll have her blurb and everything about Miss Chelsea Ajala. But once again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Miss Wawa. Sis, oh my God. Right, we're not even going to get into that. Why <laughs> you that? That's a side, it's a side note. But thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. I really do appreciate it when you guys finish it off. Let me know what you think. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you yourself want to be on a guest on the show, email me, 8sweetchats at gmail.com, or you can just DM me on Instagram at 8sweetchats, where you can also follow for updates, cool new projects that I'm working on that are associated with the podcast. Please do check it out. But until then, I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.